Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Strange Dispatch. Before you get into this episode, I just wanted to give you a little heads up. This is actually a new old episode or an old new episode, depending on how you want to look at it. But this is an episode of The Strange Dispatch that we actually released via our uh, Patreon about a year ago. Um, that's how this podcast started. It was uh, used to be exclusively on our Patreon. Now that is not the case. Um, but yeah, this is an episode Ian and I recorded together a year ago. That's not to say it's not a good one. It actually happens to be one of my favorites from the back catalog. Uh, it's a very, very bizarre subject matter. And I think you'll enjoy it. But just wanted to give you a heads up that it is about a year old at this point. But give it a listen anyway. And if you are a strange day's Patreon supporter. You've probably already heard it, but maybe it's been a year and you'll enjoy giving it a re-listen. So as always, thanks so much for tuning into The Strange Dispatch. We have some very, very cool episodes uh, on the way for the new year and Strange Days Volume 9 is going to drop very, very soon. So keep your eyes out for those. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, stay strange. I'm here to discuss the so-called flying saucer. The film and the creature are authentic. The first pictures ever taken of a Sasquatch. They got nearly up to this UFO, but it was close enough to see some creatures or things that they didn't look like human beings. He first asked me what I was called, and he asked me, he said, why are you frightened? He said, don't be frightened, we wish you no harm. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Strange Dispatch. Happy whatever month it is, one year into this bullshit. Uh, Ian and I are back and we're we're still alive. We're still alive. Uh, I can't speak for you, but I myself, I'm more alive than ever. <laughs> and I just want to note, so last time we did this a new way, we're continuing to do it the new way. We're uh, separate from each other. We are not at Strange Day's headquarters. I was at a undisclosed location last dispatch now i am at a a different undisclosed location which i will still not say you are in an undisclosed location as well that is indeed would you call it a remote strange days headquarters yeah this is remote yeah we're further apart than we ever have been while doing this i would say this is pretty remote we're not neither of us are even in even close to where we live at the moment so and we're still making it happen. Look at us, professional. We're still making it happen. Podcasters. So, yeah, thank, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to our new patrons, new members of the Strange Dispatch and the Strange Circle. Uh, yeah, welcome. This is, um, we have a cool subject today that's like a little bit different than anything we've done, but still very weird, which is obviously the precedent that we like to set here. So, um, yeah, before we jump into that, I guess no, I mean, no other updates. Dude, I am beating myself up the new uh, uh the new issue is like going to be it's so close to being out by the time this drops it's going to be at the printers it's coming soon i basically went back to work had planned to do an issue in late february and then another issue in late march and now that's turned into one issue that's coming out mid-march so that's where we're at it's all on me uh it who knew that going back to real life would make extracurricular projects like strange days um, not difficult cause it's not difficult to do. I still love doing it, but like now I just have other shit to do and it's not as fun, but here we are. It's coming soon. I think, uh, anybody that's with us 
is with us for the long haul. I don't I think anybody so. thinks that we've forgotten about them. And as it turns out, most people that are listening do the exact same thing for a living. So that's if they don't true. understand, then that is true. Well, that's strange. <laughs> and uh, and we we have merch coming very soon, which is going to be so fucking badass. Uh, stickers are getting delivered to my undisclosed location tomorrow. Uh, the wearable merch is going to be a little bit further out, but it's going to be rad. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I'll probably put it up on the Patreon first and let people there take their pick and then we'll put it up on on the other social media. But um, yeah, we're going to get into it. Today, we are talking about really weird story situation that happened to a family in 2014, um, an unsolved mystery, if, if you will which I know you will, Ian. Uh, I have. <laughs> and uh, it's about it's about the Watcher of Westfield, New Jersey, uh, which is something that I came across my radar sometime in the last couple of years. Um, I mean, the story is not that old. It's only, it's not even seven years ago that this, that this saga began. But uh, this was like, this was a new topic for you, right? Yeah, it was a new topic. And we had discussed it months ago. And I looked at the article and was like, that, that is definitely something cool. Um, and then kind of put it, put it aside for whatever reason and didn't realize how deep and uh, interwoven with the community that it occurred in and just how, so as Andrew said, it's, you know, it, it started in 2014. I would not say that it occurred in 2014 because it is in fact a saga of five years of this family's life. Um, I guess we should introduce the topic before we start discussing the details. Do you want to give the listeners just a very brief I think synopsis? I said it. The, the, yeah. So the watcher of Westfield, New Jersey, basically what happened, uh, it, it, we're going to get into the, the details, but in 2014, um, a family, uh, Derek and Maria brought us and their three children bought a home in Westfield, New Jersey, which is a super affluent town like the, uh, on the list on in 2018, it was on a, a top one. It broke top 100 of like the richest communities in the country in 2014, the year that this couple bought the house, it broke the top 50. I think it was like number 30 of the safest communities in the country. It's, I mean, they bought this house uh, in 2014 for $1.3 million. The house sits at 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey, which is something that has confused me so much while reading about this, it feels like that's not a complete address. Cause I that know is the address. that's how rich this town is. There's no Boulevard in it. So they just named one of the streets Boulevard, which I think is just so adorable and just such like a rich, weird person that has no concept of like how a grid works in a normal town or whatever. But I, I also yeah. had the exact same thing happen a few times. I was just kind of um, reading it and I was like weird, but anyway, so Westfield, New Jersey is about 45 minutes outside of Manhattan. Super, yeah, super wealthy, uh, predominantly white neighborhood. And this, it, it, at least back in the day, like when when the, this this house was like an, an old colonial and at least when it was built, like it was the house on the street, like this was it. And it's still, I think, I think, yeah, touts that. It, at least that street seems to be a very, very desirable location in that town. I don't recall exactly. It's not in my notes or anything, but I think the, uh, the wife in the family, the mother was familiar with the home because she had grown up in that same town. She was familiar with the home. She yes. was aware of its existence growing up and what like a, uh, 
you know, a special thing it was to live on Boulevard. Yes, exactly. Is it, she, is it Boulevard Avenue? Or no, it's, it's just, just like saying Road Avenue. It's such no, a weird, okay, so. It's just Boulevard, 657 <laughs> I thought I'd gotten over it, but I think Boulevard. now I'm officially over it. Okay, yeah, 657 I, Boulevard. Yeah. Uh, so this house is like a six bedrooms, I think four bathrooms. It's a huge house. I mean, it's it's a huge house. They paid uh, almost a million and a half dollars for it. So, I mean, yeah, just a really fancy house in a really fancy neighborhood. So, yeah, they bought it in, in 2014. I think in May they closed on it and took possession of it in June. Um, so a fancy house in a fancy neighborhood. These are definitely not snobby people. I think the guy is kind of a self-made successful dude. Um, and I think the, the wife and the mother in the story is uh, she's from there, but she's not really one of the kind of the highbrow snobby people. So they're right. just kind of normal people that are moving on up in the world. And he's done really well for himself. Um, I think they had lit, they'd bought and sold a couple of other homes and he just seems to be doing really well in his career. Their family is young. They want to be in like the nice place that they're going to settle. It ends up being a six, five, seven Boulevard. It, well, it doesn't end up being six, five, seven Boulevard, they but thought. they, you know, have every intent of making it six, five, seven Boulevard. So they, they buy the house um, and they have a lot of work to do on it. So they have, people coming in um you know they want to be modifications they want to paint can't remember exactly what the project was in the basement but there was a uh, jackhammer there the day after they close on it so they're immediately going in and making it their own not living there yet doing this uh nights and weekends or however you do that yeah so they yeah doing these renovations they um were, they had some time in their old house before they had to vacate the house they were moving out of. They would go over there, check on the progress. They even they took their kids there before they moved in, let them run around the yard. They met a couple of the close neighbors and everybody was super stoked. The kids were like, you know, they'd all picked out their bedrooms and in this article, and I feel like I should cite, we we one of our main sources was an article by The Cut um, called The Watcher and from 2018. Super fantastic article, covers this really well. But yeah, so the renovations are happening. They're planning on moving in. And then in one evening in June, uh, the dad, Derek, stopped over there to check the, check on the renovations, check the mail, just stopping by on his way home from work. And he gets to the mailbox. He opens it up. There's like some junk mail, whatever, maybe like a United States Postal Service, like change of address form, who knows. And then this letter in this square envelope that just in in uh, like black marker, I think it it was just addressed to uh, what did it, who was it addressed to? The new homeowners, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I think it was the new occupants. The new occupants, yes. Um, so he's like, okay, interesting. Opens the letter, and it reads. And I want to say before I start reading these letters, these letters have not been released like as one document, it's hard. You can find pieces of them and they're, it's usually broken up in different articles. Like this article on the cut seems to have most of what was in the letters there, but it's not just like, here it is like as a PDF. And some, when I was researching this, I saw some people split it up different ways. So 
like what I have broken down between the first and the second letter. I saw someone say that that was all in the first letter, and I saw someone say that it was it split up. I don't know what we. No one has seen these letters because they're evidence. Uh, right. So if I get if I read this letter and and then I read the second one and you a listener knows more than I do and thinks that I'm fucking wrong. Feel free to tell me that, and I'm you're probably right. Uh, but so he, he he checks the mail and he gets this letter, and uh, this is this is what it reads. Dearest new neighbor at six five seven Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see that you have already flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that they can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far I think that there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed that brought me your children? Once I know their names, I will call them and draw them to me. Okay. Fuck. So, welcome to the neighborhood. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that, like, those two paragraphs, like, they're, it's almost as if the watcher, whoever writing these uh, letters, kind of wrote the first paragraph and then kind of thought about it and got mad and was like, no, I'm going to, I got to get at, I'm going to go at him right off the bat. So he's calling out the presence of the children. He hasn't, you know, gotten to any detail. The young blood is a really creepy thing to say. And the way that he references it throughout what we're going to talk about, I'm not sure I understand exactly what he means by the young blood. Cause there's two or three different ways that he talks about it. And it's almost like, is is he also the young blood? Is that right? Because it's, it's yeah, because he's, he's the got, third generation of watching. Super right. strange. We can we can talk about that um, once we we discuss a little bit more of the the details. But yeah, so there it is. So that that was the first yeah, letter. Your dream house. Your life's going great, and a couple weeks read. into renovating this house, you get the scariest, creepiest letter ever. In the in the letter was signed. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. The Watcher. Jesus. Yeah, so this obviously scared the shit out of this guy, uh, Derek, and he called the cops. The cop came over, and there's a quote in the cut article, and the cop basically, (laughs) some Jersey cop in this like bougie town, like literally said, like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Because like, what what is it? I don't know. It's a letter Uh, he's got. Yeah, don't say that out loud to the guy whose family is being harassed by this <laughs> Whose mystery boogeyman. I mean, God, the blood. poor guy. 
Yeah. Uh, so uh, so many things, so many bad things happen. I mean, the guy doesn't get hurt or anything, but there are so many moments in this story where you just feel for Derek so much. You're just like, you feel as helpless as he does. And I think this is the first time where it's just like, okay, uh, Absolutely. Like, like, you're going to help me. Right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, cause can I talk you, to your boss, uh, cop. It must be such a helpless feeling. I mean, like, the the one point three million dollars you just spent on a house aside, like you're supposed to move in here in a week, you have to vacate the house you're in. Like you, you, your children think that they're moving in here, and they're young children who are excited. Yeah. So the police took the letter. They told him, you know, uh, we'll look into this. Don't tell too many people yet. But they ended up reaching. So he he obviously told his wife. They didn't tell their children, and they reached out. They decided to reach out to the Woods family, who were the previous owners of the home, and they said, "Hey, uh, we got this letter, and it's weird. We want to know if you ever got anything like this." And the Woods were like, "Well, actually, if just a couple of days before we left, we did get a letter." He's like, Derek's like, "Oh, okay. Well, you didn't. You failed to mention that. What did your letter say?" And they were like, "Oh." It was a little weird, but it was basically just like wishing us well and like sending us off and like we threw it in the trash. So the <laughs> Derek's like, okay, wish you would have told us that, but like you, nothing to be done, I guess. Sure. And you can't really blame them for getting, you know, amongst everything else that uh, comes along with moving your life. If you just happen to get one strange letter from somebody in the neighborhood, it's like, you know, it's not, it, I, to me, it wouldn't stand out that much. Like you can't really be yes. that mad at them. No. Like no, what did it, they really do? There was it, no, no I creepy totally factor. Um, and even with this first letter that he got it at this point, isolated to just this one letter, it, right. it could definitely be some type of a prank, you know, uh, some teenage kid in the neighborhood who's, you know, really good at, creeping people out or something, you know, I don't know, but it, it, it crosses a line eventually. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I think at this point, it's just kind of like re- really weird. Uh, it's super weird, but yeah, you're right. You can't, you can't blame the woods. You, it's just, it's all, it's just a bunch of shitty circumstances or not even shitty yet. Just like weird. The, the broadest are weirded out, understandably so, but they sort of have to, move on and they think they're going to move on and they're like sort of waiting for the police investigation to pan out and they think it's going to be onward and upward and they're going to forget about it. Not really the case, unfortunately. No. So they go, they proceed with the, the renovations. Yep. Um, they're keeping an eye on their kind of neighborhood. Obviously it's a, uh, as Andrew mentioned earlier, it's a affluent neighborhood. There's some, Older residents of the neighborhood. Um, there is one family that seems to kind of stand out, and it is a family called the Langfords. The Langfords, they, uh, who are right next door. Right, they're right next door. Um, so it's a, a very old woman, a ninety-year-old woman, I believe she was ninety, living yep. with three adult children, all in their sixties. So there's kind of this old school. You know, they this family's been there for forever since those. 60 year old people were children, yeah. obviously. So their, their dad, the dad of the family had died like uh, in 2002, I believe like 12 years prior to all of this. So yeah. Right. So that, for whatever reason, I'm assuming it has to do 
something with like a caring for the mother, but this whole family still on lives under the same roof. Right. Right. I hope so. I hope that poor 90 year old woman wasn't caring for her 60 year old children, but you know, well, one was, of them was a little, a little off. The neighbors was, had said he was off, which is, yeah. So that is, uh, as they, as they kept the renovation, as the broadest is like, kept moving forward with the renovations. They still hadn't moved in yet. And it wasn't really time to move in yet because they were still doing work and they met more, they met neighbors. They went to a couple barbecues. They let their kid, they would take their kids and let the kids play with the neighbor kids and meet the kids. And they had a couple of weird, not weird things, but they were just on super high alert at this point. So there was one story that Derek told in an interview where he said that they were, uh, they were like at a, a barbecue or something. And there were a bunch of neighbors over there and they were just like, wouldn't let their kids out of their sight and were be feeling very protective, obviously. And another couple there asked if they could see it, have a tour of the renovations that they were doing in the house. They wanted to see it. So Derek and Maria took them in. And as they were like walking around, the wife of the other couple just like offhandedly made a comment that said, it'll be so nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. And they were like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck did you just say? That and is weird, dude. It's like, who? I would never say that in reference no, to anything. No, like some young people in the neighborhood, like some more people our age or like some fresh faces or whatever. But yeah. like, I would never use that term specifically. I, I think that is, it's very, very coincidental. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's anything more than that, but it is just like, that's just a weird way to talk. I don't know. People. Right you know, move to the suburbs and lose touch with like being normal and say weird stuff. So I'm not going to so. like hold her to anything beyond that, but um, that would freak me out too. Cause they, I think even the police had said, you know, move on, be normal, right. um, go do all the neighborhood stuff, but like keep an eye out and watch and see basically like, Hey, go investigate. And, and if there's any clues, tell us, right. which is, you know, not exactly going to give you a ton of confidence, but also I understand why the police would have that attitude because they're just like, you know, there's no way of tracing this, you know, they, there's no digital footprint. There's yeah. no actual fingerprints. And I think I did have a note here of, uh, they, they, they tried to look up like the first, um, like where the, when the first letter came and it was processed at, okay. It's in Kearney, the U S postal services distribution center in North Northern New Jersey. It was a uh, postmarked June 4th. So it was the first letter was postmarked before the sale was before the sale of the house. And like the transfer oh, was made public and the, right. the previous owners had never even put up a for sale sign. Right. Um, then so the, there was they, no, like it was somebody who was already intimately in somebody from the neighborhood. Yes. Essentially 100%. somebody who would get information word of mouth, Yeah, which it, who knows what that neighborhood is, you know, who, how people talk or anything, but right. it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't hundreds and hundreds of people that could be suspects. It was really, no, it it, was you know, narrow. maybe, yeah, you know, a, na the, a neighborhood, a community. In one thing that Derek initially thought and discussed with the police is there were, there were like other, uh, the, the woods, the previous owners got two or three other offers that were actually above asking price, but that fell through for various reasons. And, and then I think, the Broadus has made an offer also above asking price and it was accepted, but people were after this house. So it was like a cutthroat, you know, real estate market deal. And so he was like, Oh, maybe people are bummed. Like maybe it's someone who wanted to buy the house. Maybe it was another realtor who like wanted to make the commission, like whatever. So 
yeah, that that was definitely it, it, something that they were thinking about. And but super strange that the letter was written and sent before any the sale was made public. And like, I mean, no one would have even known. Like, it well, you would have had to do some digging or some watching to know who the new homeowners even were at that point. So yeah, I mean, you're just. It, it seems to me that you're just staring at the house all day. Right. Like you have no, you have not a lot going, not a lot going on. Um, so two weeks passed and they get a second letter. This time Maria checks the mail. She recognizes the, the uh, handwriting instantly pulls it out, reads it uh, similar tone, maybe getting a little bit weirder. Second letter reads, Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. I am pleased to know your names now and the names of the young blood you have brought me. You certainly say their names often. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom, then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the last three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Okay, so that's where it goes from somebody playing a prank on them to this is like... This feels like a person who's a threat to someone. Yeah, from a legal perspective, he definitely like threatened the children. So now you know it's not somebody that's just fooling around for whatever, or maybe it is, but they have now committed to, you know, there's got to be something illegal in there. That's like harassment or stalking, or there's some yeah. something in there. Uh, listening to you say that, something kind of uh, escaped me the first time, and I caught it this time. He talks about the family, the Woodses, who said they had never had any issue with this until, right. and that wasn't even an issue. It was just a strange thing. But he talks about it as if they, he was cool with them or he had no issue with them. But then he says that it was greed that brought the past three. So it's like, right, right. is he just, he's finally had it up to here with people moving into his house that he's been obsessed with since he was a kid, right. but has never lived in. Like, what about this family? Or this time frame, or whatever it is, um, right. you know, he ta- he talks about it as if every other family he has felt the same way about them, but there yet there's no history of this type of harassment or stalking or exactly. monitoring yeah. or whatever. So it's which which is yeah, it definitely throws right. a weird 
it's yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Not that any of it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. And he go and this is a part of what I was talking about earlier where I haven't been able to find the direct quotes from this part of the letter. Um, and maybe I just didn't look in the right places, but that letter, he also addressed the three children by name and not just their names, but like the nicknames that the parents called them, which is weird. Right. And he asked about one child in particular, particular who had set up an, a painting easel on the front porch. And he says like, is, uh, is she the artist in the family? And so that was like two things right away that Derek honed into in this letter. One, this person was close enough to hear them like call the Nick, call their children by nickname. They're like within earshot of the yards. Mm-hmm. And two, the easel is on this enclosed front porch, which he said that there was like very limited line of sight to. So that really narrows down the, where this well, person it, could be physically. Right. It narrows it down to the Langford's house. Right. Because the several windows have a direct line of sight to that enclosed I wish I knew what that looked like, but I guess like we can use our imaginations, you know, just a part of the porch. Maybe like, it's like a wraparound porch or something where you just like, not everybody in the neighborhood had a line of sight to it. So it's like, there is a family that, you know, they haven't done anything weird, but just by default, they seem a little odd just because of their age and their proximity to each other. That's, you know, you have four people between the ages of 60 and 90 in a house. That's not in a, you know, Right. It, it, it stands out. It stands out. And if you say like, oh, one of the guys is kind of off, but he's harmless. It's like, well, no, he's he's listening and watching. So they are like, hey, it's the Langfords. It's this guy that everybody says is weird, which it's it's not. But what, you you would think the same thing, right? I mean, oh, I hate yeah. to be simple-minded no, I mean, or uh, jump to conclusions, but it's just like, but, duh, it's this, this group or this guy. And, and other people in the neighborhood mentioned this guy. So at this point, the they still weren't telling the other people about the letters and about what had happened. And it was like the way that Derek learned about this family next door is that he was just like, again, at like a neighborhood thing. And a guy was like, Oh yeah. Like, have you met your neighbors, the Langfords yet? Like they're a little odd, especially, um, especially the son, Michael. And it just, it immediately checked so many of the boxes. So Derek, hit up the police and was like, Hey, have you guys looked into this person yet? And they were like, actually we did. And we brought him in for questioning and he denied it. And like, we can't do anything else yet. Right. He didn't admit it to us. So there's nothing, right. I mean, it's such a weird thing. It's like, besides putting a cop car there and just right. watching them watch somebody else. Uh, right. I, I think it's at this point that they start to explore other options outside of the local police. Yes. So there's private investigators. There is, uh, Two different former FBI agents. I think what it is, is one of the private investigators they hired happened to be a former FBI agent. And then another one was a woman that Derek knew had some personal connection to uh, socially or something, but also was just like, you know, I don't think she was like a professional private investigator, but she was just like this, this crazy, let me try to help. Right. Um, And yeah, they didn't really come up with anything. The Langfords were not down with it. And they ended up hiring a lawyer to say, like, stop harassing us. Right. Exactly. Which they eventually did. And they kind of put that whole angle to rest. But they're running, you know, they're starting to run out of options. It's like the local police. And I guess that's a thing that's got to be really frustrating. It just brings to surface what the parameters of, you know, the police can't just go do, you know, they 
they have to have some type of like probable cause. They have to be right. They can't just, I mean, God, what a frustrating, it's like a checkmate almost. It's like, Oh, totally. The person doing it knows I, as long as I exist in this gray area, I, I I'm in the clear more or less. You can't yeah, track they, me and I'm not, I'm not going to raise such a, uh, such attention that it's like, we have to hunt this guy down and find him. It's just like, right. It's getting it's weirder sort of, and weirder, but you was, can't. Yeah. The police still kind of had to throw their arms up. But one thing that the, the F one of the FBI, the investigators who was former FBI said after reading the letters, uh, he, he said that he didn't think that the watcher was going to act on threats. Uh, I mean, I don't know why he was able to come to that conclusion, but he also said that, um, he, he thought they always the, say that right before they like kill somebody. Right. They say it about every single person. We have no reason exactly. to believe it's like, guy, just yeah, stop saying that. Even if you don't, stop telling people that. Right. It's such a like, God, fuck, man. But he he said that he recognized some telltale signs of like formalities in the letters that led him to believe that the person was an older, the, the writer was older. And he also, he, it was like there were double spaces between the sentences and just like some of the other phrasing made him think this. Um, he also said that, th- that he thought that the, the, the reader or the writer was like a voracious reader just based on like the tone and, and just, uh, you know, the, the grammar that the writer used. And he also said that he was surprised by a lack of profanity given the level of anger, which made him think it was someone who was like sort of less macho. So again, these were all things that sort of pointed to Michael Langford living next door. But as you said, like police questioned him again. And then his sister basically, you know, they layered up and were like, you have to stop harassing us. So he couldn't really act on it. And then they got a third letter and the third letter opened up with, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. The house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You've changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. So again, I mean, it. I, I hate to point to this dude who might be innocent, but it's like, it's this dude. It's obviously this fucking guy, right? It's gotta be. Like, and it's like, you know, back to what, what you were saying before, um, a guy who doesn't have a job, he sits at home, he's an older guy, reads a lot, has an active imagination, has like a very strange adulthood. Um, and is, you know, the lack of profanity just suggests and the lack of like a vulgarness, right. not only profanity, but just even the, uh, the horrible things they're said, not even like so eloquently, but just kind of in, uh, a nice way, right. yeah. you know, it's, they're it's not like super a gross or, or weird or anything. Yeah. So it's like, it, it really does aim. And maybe now we're creating our own kind we of, like, are. we probably are uh, identity of what this, this kind of like loner guy is, but it seems like a guy who's kind of like a shut in who reads a lot, who is, you know, comes from a good enough family. To, he understands that you, you know, curse all the time. Right. If you're trying to get people to take you serious, you know, he's not like a kid. Right. 
He's not a to me at this point. It's either it's either him or it's some like smart teenager in the neighborhood. Right. But he talk, but then but he talks about in that part that I just read how in the '60s he ran from room to room as a little kid when his dad was still the watcher. So it's like I mean that that right. points to that someone of that age and in the fact that his dad had been da- dead for about 12 years at this time. And in one of his earlier letters, he says like, I've been watching this house for the better part of two decades. I mean, it just, it connects a lot of dots. So at this point, even though the police couldn't keep questioning this dude, Derek wrote a letter to this family next door to the Langfords to try to like elicit a reaction out of him, out of them. And he was like, basically the letter just said like, just so you know, we're demolishing the house. We're going to, we're going to fucking burn it to the ground, but it didn't really, they, I I don't, who knows if Michael even got to read that letter or if someone else in the family read it and destroyed it or whatever, but that didn't, it didn't really work. Um, Well, here's the thing about the Michael theory. So if you look at the last letter that you wrote, it, it talks about uh, what was the sentence? The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard. When I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. And he says something else. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died. So it now it's like, is it a like a housekeeper or a groundskeeper right. or a maid or something that like, you know, I, I don't think it's uncommon. I absolutely did not have any type of like caregiver or maid in my household when I was growing <laughs> up. I didn't grow up in that type of house, <laughs> but it, I, I can't imagine it's too far of a stretch that at a certain point you become, they're like other members of the family. And if you have kids that are the same age as the people doing your gardening or your housekeeping or the nanny or whatever it is, they're probably, the kids are going to play together totally. and stuff. So now you start to see a different um, potential, uh, like the obsessed person is now like somebody who has this deep connection because they, the house represented something to them when they were a child that kind of takes Michael out of the, the mix, right? Because right. he's, he grew up right he next, up door. next door. His yeah. life was probably very, very similar to the people that lived right directly next door. I would have to, to imagine. So, yeah. So yeah, it does. That is it, kind of a check mark in the other column. And also the cops said, don't worry about him. So. <laughs> yeah, he's, he he must on. be fine. <laughs> so at this point, Derek became like super frustrated. Obviously, you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say at this point that the letters were threatening. Like in the first one, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't explicitly threatening, but it's, it's come, you know, come to that point. And the police aren't able to offer any solutions or any real leads. And he just sort of became obsessed with like finding the watcher. So he started like, he would get maps and he would drop like, who has a line of sight? Like who's within earshot? And like, you know, all, all of these things he, he just started just like pouring himself into it. He would sit alone in the house. Like he'd turn off all the lights. He'd put like a folding chair in the middle of like the house. So he could just see out the windows but no one could see in. He would just like sit there hoping to catch a glimpse. And at this point, I, uh, I almost missed, forgot about this, but the police had one lead and I don't remember, not a lead. They had one piece of evidence that we haven't mentioned. And I don't remember which letter it was on, but on one of the letters, they found a piece or they found DNA that was female DNA. And uh, he, so um, while Derek was sitting there, at one point there was like a woman who, like stopped the car and like 
took a picture of the house or was just like staring at it a little too long and he wrote down the license plate and it was a woman. And so they thought that it was a thing and it wasn't, a th- it was like a dead end. I don't remember the specifics of that. I don't know if you do, but it was like a dead end. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I vaguely recall that being mentioned, but it's also like, it, anybody can touch a piece of paper totally. that's in this person's life, you know, anybody else in the community that would, it's just such a small sliver. At least the police are still, you know, engaged and taking them seriously. When I heard about the FBI, even though they were like former FBI people and it's not like the FBI is getting involved, I always imagine the local police being like, well, then we're not going to fucking help <laughs> right. you if you're going to call these right. people. You think, we yeah. think, oh, why don't you go get your FBI buddy to yeah, do it? Totally. Uh, and I mean, this guy, he's so desperate. He gets their priest to come bless the house or to do something, which this has, this, this is very like, like somebody is doing right. this, but he's so desperate that he's just like, he's like, I guess the, what the priest blessed the yeah. house. Like maybe that'll help. He, you know, he's got all this money. His, this guy's whole life, his whole life that he seems like he's put it together pretty well. You know, he's like 40, I think late thirties or like early forties. Yeah. It's like, he seems like the guy that if he wants that life, he's taken every step to get that family, got the nice house, the good job. And now all of a sudden it's like a couple of letters are going to, fucking derail everything, everything that he's dude. worked for in his adult life. And, so he's getting it blessed. The, uh, the, the, I, I remember another thing. He, this is so sad. And this just shows exactly what this guy is going through. Um, and the alarm goes off at the house and he, he rushes over and he has a knife right. and he's like, he, you know, he doesn't find anybody, but just imagine this guy who's got police FBI, the fucking priest can't help him. He's just like, the next time the fucking alarm goes off, I'm taking a knife and I'm going to, I'm going to murder this person. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just such a sad, so a normal sad. guy. Like, could you imagine stabbing another person? No. I mean, how, how I cannot. What limit do you have to be pushed to, to grab a knife and get in a car and be like, this is what is going to happen when I get, when I get out of the, the car. Poor dude. Um, and, they, and at that point they were they like, know. they had already had to vacate their old house, but they were too afraid to move in. They were living with like Maria's mom. Maria was in therapy and she had been diagnosed with like PTSD at this point. And like the kids are like, why aren't we moving into that house? Like we bought the house. It's right. like his, his marriage, they're having issues with each right. other as yeah. well. Better. I mean, clearly that's an enormous amount of stress. So this is several years after. Yeah, so this I mean, is, all happening in like 2016, 2017, yeah. I think. Um, and then a- another thing that he took note of, another weird, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to say weird people, but something that he thought was weird that he took note of is directly behind their house. So like the, um, the house where their backyard butts up to the backyard of the house behind them was an older couple who would like set up lawn chairs in their backyard just like and watch the broadest <laughs> house, which is so weird. I mean, probably harmless, but it's a weird. way different type of weird. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That, like they're you're pretty much that like all your weird is right on the surface. It, it uh, really makes me wonder. It's like, and I've I had this thought a little bit when I was reading about it, and I'm having it more now, like thinking about this this older couple who just sit there in their lawn chairs and watch the house and nothing else and thinking about that other woman who was like, oh, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood was like, is this just like a Stepford Wives situation? Is the whole fucking neighborhood oh, yeah. in on it? Like, are they, I mean, I don't know. Did they just decide like they vetted this new family and they weren't up 
to code and they're like, yeah, we're just going to harass them until they leave. I don't know. Just, a, just a thought. I hadn't thought about that. I'm glad that you did. I guarantee, uh, this family. Oh, did. they, oh. like, is, is the whole neighborhood in right, on this? Absolutely. Like, how was this, uh, it's just something as simple as, oh, they just set up, you know, the lawn chairs and they really happen to be pointed in this direction. Maybe that's where the sun was setting. Right. And that's just like where they like to post up. Maybe they've been doing it for 50 years, but that type of thing can just be like, well, what, what, why, why yeah. are they doing that? Why are they looking at us? So um, at this point they get another letter and the watcher's tone had be, had, had started to change. He wrote 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. So, so young blood, it, it, he used to be young blood or whatever, whatever uh, he perceives as a child enjoying this home or feeling safe in this home. That's what young blood is. So, I don't think that he's referring to the children as like, ooh, like some young blood. It's like whatever this uh, relationship that children have with the house is the young is the young blood or part of this lineage or this like cult that they're not aware that they're um, uh, part of or whatever it is. But he, he has, he's now kind of uh, used it possessively where he, if he is not young blood, he, he used to be young blood or maybe he's just a psycho who's using it way more often than he needs to and not really thinking much of it, you know, using it for two, two different meanings. But um, it does seem that way. It seems like, he looks at the children now as what he used to be. Right. The, you know, the, the young blood, like the lifeblood of the house. Does right. he think that it, the, it, the house has to have this currency or this like nutrient flowing through its halls? Um, right. If so, why is it, he trying to scare him off? You know, none of it ever really adds up like mathematically. It's just kind of, no, it it's a crazy yeah. person. It's it's a crazy person because it almost feels in in even though the tone of this letter is more unhinged, like overall, it almost feels the way like the way when he initially calls the children young blood, that felt more sinister than it did does in this. Like he's he's definitely like he's angry here, but it, it like you said, it's it feels like a totally different use of that phrase where before it was like bring the young blood back black back to me. And it was like, Oh, does this house need like a fucking child sacrifice? And like, does that need to happen in the basement? But it doesn't really feel like that in, in this tone or in this letter, but it, I mean, it's still strange. It's, it's some, it's someone who is very, very unstable wrote these letters, but. So they, look, I, they look a little bit more there because there is clearly a uh, focus on the children. So they do look and see, you know, what, what type of, creeps do we have in the neighborhood? And there was a, I think there were three, you know, like weirdo sex offender guys that had been focused on by the police, I guess. 
and somehow they were all they were all cleared of it. You know, I guess just like right. the three closest uh, creepy dudes were investigated and all got, um, you know, a pass or whatever you give uh, people like that. So they they were taking off of it. And then, I mean, it really it it doesn't I mean, I don't know a lot about that type of stuff and I'm not like a criminal investigator or anything, but it just seems a lot more. It doesn't seem like a peeping Tom type of situation. It seems like a really right. somebody who's getting off on like subversively infiltrating this and being like a boogeyman without being totally. physically pre- present. So it's a, a different type of perversion for sure than what I would assume by a, a sex offender, kind of like a more, uh, yeah, I totally know, agree. Prim- primitive, uh, right. Person. So at this point, they have pretty much decided that they're not going to move in and they're going to look into selling the house and they know they're probably going to take a loss on it. It's, I mean, they put, they renovated it. They put all this money into renovations and it's just likely that they're going to take a loss on it. And around the same time that they make this decision, they also decide to file a lawsuit against the former homeowners, the Woods family, um, for not disclosing that they had received the letter that they had received and that got uh, uh, drawn out, but was ultimately thrown out of out of court because the judge said, "You know, this isn't this isn't uh, telling you that it's in a flood zone. There's a difference here. That's a letter. They got a letter. Like it, it didn't really it didn't really apply. Which is which is a, I, I really find that those sorts of lawsuits interesting because there are uh, there have been lawsuits where like people have sued for not for homeowners not disclosing that like." A murder happened or even I can't remember if it was in New York state where someone sued because the house was haunted and the former owners didn't tell them and they won like the people who were saying that the house was haunted and they should have been told like won the suit, which is pretty amazing. I agree. If you think it's haunted or if something strange, a murder or anything unsettling like that has occurred there. But I don't I think they're really just grasping at straws. It's just like I do. Too. What? Yeah. They, they got one letter and the like it, it didn't even say anything. They literally didn't give it a second thought. They just, and they you know, it. Yeah. I, I totally understand that they want to recoup some of their loss and they want to move on. And they probably had a long series of conversations and were finally like, that was probably like one of the big things, like a last resort, like, okay, I guess if nothing else desperate. pans out, we'll just blame it on them. And maybe somehow the judge will, it'll work in our favor. Um, I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed for them that they did that. It's like, come on, these people had nothing to do with it. It was in, in, you know, unless they're completely lying, but if they were lying, it means that they had kept that all a secret because the police would know if this was not the first time that something like this had happened at 657 Boulevard. So unless those people just kept it under wraps and then 20 years later decided we're going to sell it. It just doesn't seem like a very, um, and this is a long winded side, uh, side note of mine, but I just don't, I don't see the relevance of that. That just seems like they wasted everybody's time. And of course you're not going to get any, like, no, you're not going to get it. And it, cause it was also at the same around the time, like I said, that they were going to sell the house. So it felt, like maybe it was financially motivated, maybe not. I don't want to make these this family sound like they're that that is what you know what they're motivated by. Although that did seem to be part of what upset the watcher. He talks about their greed. Um, right. He also said something yeah. funny. He said, "What do you?" Uh, I don't remember in what letter, but he said, 
what are you, one of these transplant transplants from a Hoboken? <laughs> from Hoboken, yeah, yeah. As if they were like not worthy of living on the boulevard. Right, he's so sick Which of seems it. to be the ultimate thing here. Yeah, which again so- just so identifies that that person's age. You know, they're yes. clearly an evolved adult. Uh, adult. Uh, just a, I wonder- a, a very strange adult, but that's... Yeah. Um, I wonder where the woods, the former homeowners moved to. I wonder if they stayed in the neighborhood. I, w- I would be curious about that. Cause it like, maybe it, they were in on this like gang stalking neighborhood, uh, you know, anti welcome party. If it was more than one people involved, I don't know. I think that if they had stayed in the area, we would have heard more about them. Derek would yeah. have gone and tried to talk to them or, you know, there would have been right, some right. type of confrontation or something. It really seems to me like they were just like, yeah, I don't know. We sold a house. Like, sure, sue us. <laughs> right. Yeah, nothing to yeah, hide. Totally. Uh, just that doesn't make any sense. So this is, I mean, things <clears throat> don't really get better from here. The letters stop. I th- there may have been one more letter that I was going to read, but it from now it gets into, it, it, it turned into like, legal ob- obligations and financial obligations. The house isn't going to sell. They know it's not going to sell. They like at one point try to get it rezoned so they could sell it as two different lots because it was a larger lot there. And the community basically turned on them at this point because they, when they, when they put it on the market, they, they said, they like told their realtor and their attorney, like anybody who's serious about buying, we will disclose everything. If someone's ready to come in and buy, we will um, show them the letter. So we'll let, we'll disclose everything. And it seemed like that turned a couple of people away. So they started to get desperate. It was around that time that the letters also leaked to the press, or at least the existence of the letters leaked to the press. So then the community of Westfield knew about this. And it really seemed like the people sort of turned on them. They tried to get their house rezoned to make it easier to sell. And the the neighbors were like, no, never. Like you can't, you know, just because like, you guys have this weird thing, which maybe you made up, maybe you're doing it for the attention. Maybe like people were accusing them of like doing it to try to turn a profit on the house, but clearly it had the adverse effect. I don't see how that would have been realistic. Right. It would people have to be such them. a, like a masterfully woven situation. I mean, come on a right. family with kids, like they, no way they're not doing that. They had also brought up like, this is like the third or fourth house that they've bought. And it's just like, right. Yeah. I don't know. They're like the people, guy gets a promotion they, and he, he buys a new house. It's like not right. It's, it's not against not the law. Um, and they, they, I think that a, a big reason they were up in arms about it was that they were threatening to have it zoned to, uh, they were trying to get approval from the state to turn the house into two separate units right. so that they right. could have it be like rented to like basically turn it into a rental, which is clearly right. just going to completely destroy whatever these people you know, whatever their kind of the vibe of their like special little neighborhood or whatever it is, you know, it's going to be ruined by people who can't afford to buy a big fancy house. So they're, you know, you can imagine like, you know, angry kind of, uh, you know, stuck up rich people going, they can't deal with any concept of change or anything. So I hate to say this, it's a fucking like, uh, I'm embarrassed. I might cut this out. But it's a neighborhood of like Karens, if you will, right? Oh I mean, yeah, basically. don't cut that out. <laughs> totally. It's I'm sure like, it's not. They're not all Karens, but it's just like there's never once any mention in the three articles. And you know, of course, the cuts. Um, here, let me just do something really quick. This article 
from the cut came out November 19th, 2018. It was written by Reeves Wiederman and it is, or uh, Wiedemann, Reeves Wiedemann. It is such a, a long, dense, like fantastic account of this whole story. This basically what we're doing right now is a discussion almost about the article. Cause I read yes, other articles totally. and I did other research. Everything that I'm talking about came from that article. So every, yeah. I think every other article that was written must've also kind of been like, so that is like Reeves. Thank you. Uh, we understand that you are the one who did. You, you, you made this story. Basically the only reason the public really knows all these details is, is because of the cuts. Uh, the New York Times totally. article kind of, you know, they talked a little bit about this stuff, but uh, this is the guy who broke the story for sure. So, um, yeah, he and he he developed a relationship with Derek. I mean, he was like, he was, it, this wasn't like, took the knife out of his hand, like, talk. don't do it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't like stop over like one afternoon and talk to him. Like, he he spent a lot of time with the family and fi- in, in discussing the, the case with them, and Derek disclosed a lot with them. So, actually, Derek told him so after so they can't get the house rezoned it's not going to sell they'd finally get some renters in there and the hope and the hope is like if we get some people to rent it for a couple of years maybe some people will be less afraid to buy it so they get renters in there and there's actually a clause in their lease that if they got another another letter from the watcher they would have to move out and they did get another letter but it was like a really short one and the guy who was renting it was like okay like we'll stay it's it's fine but it was shortly after this that that everybody in the neighborhood received an anonymous letter themselves that signed by like friends of the Broadduses. Mm. And it was basically like, you guys uh. have been mean to these people. They were like a helpless family. They were just like trying to come into the neighborhood. And it was like, oh, I you, forgot you about guys this have taken it too so far. And, and well, this dude Reeves is interviewing Derek. He gets him to admit that like he wrote the letter and sent it to everybody it's in like, the neighborhood. And I'm like, sorry did to you, laugh, Did you Derek, write it? But- he's like, yeah, man, it was me. <laughs> the poor guy. I was going to mention earlier when you were talking about it being a neighborhood full of Karens. Not once in this incredibly in-depth article did Reeves ever mention any of the neighbors being kind of nice or kind of helpful no. or kind of concerned. They just <laughs> don't like... I mean, God, I wouldn't want to live in a neighborhood like that. That sounds horrible. Like the idea of the neighborhood is more important than the neighborhood. Yeah. That's no neighborhood I'd want, you know, I'd want to live in. I haven't never seen this house though. It sounds like a magical house because it sounds like it completely stole at least one person's soul. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly it did. It captivated someone. Um, so yeah, I mean the situation pretty much ended with like the entire community of Westfield turning against them, uh, and people thought it was a hoax. Derek got defensive. He wrote this letter. They finally they had they had the one renter. They had another couple of renters after that, and then after the the cut article came out, actually July of 2019, that article was published in 2018. They finally sold it, and they took a loss on it, and. Um, to this day, the case remains unsolved. No one knows who the watcher is. I mean, obviously, this is uh, we kind of not glossed over it, but you could you could dive down several different rabbit holes here. I read some threads on Reddit of people who have theories. I mean, I don't know. It, Let's talk about some thing, of those. Let's I talk mean, about some people, of the Reddit theories. Okay, let me let me pull them up here. I mean, obviously, Michael Langford is the number one. Um, he's the number one suspect. I mean, it, he, he just, 
ticks a lot of the boxes. Uh, not only did, was he in the right area, he had been there for the right amount of time. He was the right sort of mentality. I mean, that that just seems to be that seems to be number one. Um, but a, a lot of people on Reddit also thought that it was hoax. They think they thought that like people were like, oh, they want they want to get popularity or they want to get fame, like they want a book deal, they want a movie deal. And now, I mean, this, seven years later, they are getting a TV show. Not They're not getting a TV show, but they have authorized the rights to a TV show about this story that, that Netflix is going to produce. So, but again, like that's a long time. That is such a grandiose vision for something that is ultimately not that interesting. It just, that immediately makes zero sense to me. I understand how somebody it, yeah. might be like, well, they just wanted attention. But if you read the article and you read the interviews with these people, they're, I mean, it's sad. Like imagine having three young kids and not knowing what the fuck like tomorrow was going to be like, or if somebody's going to try to make a move and also not being able to, you know, financially, you are completely bound to this. I think it was, they lost, you know, uh, half a million dollars on it, which I will say, if you're in a position where you can lose half a million dollars, you're in a place of privilege and you're not getting, you know, your base rights taken from you. But that's still, you know, this right. is not like some rich kid, dude. This is a hardworking guy who made, you know, he made himself and now he's losing things and it's not his fault and he has no idea why. And you're going to accuse him of like wanting to get attention. It just like, it, it's kind of, it's a little insulting. Um, right. And it's a little, uh, I think it's just lazy. It's super lazy. And it's it, not weird uh, at all. It's like, ah. Uh, yeah, yeah. One, one thing that I forgot that I'm now looking at on this Reddit thread that I had bookmarked is um, someone on here said that they found an odd detail in the lawsuit against the Woods family, the former owners, where it said in their lawsuit that they wanted their money back for the purchase of the house, but they that the Broadduses also wanted to maintain ownership of the house, which is obviously a lawsuit they were never going to win. So that's a weird detail. I mean, that's not even a, like, I, I couldn't fact check it. I couldn't tell you how, but they, that's, I don't know. If you want to take uh, this guy whose username is winner takes all, take him for his word. Sounds that like he knows what he he's talking up. about. <laughs> I don't know. That, that sounds pretty, that sounds pretty strange. It's, that doesn't sound like yeah. a move that, uh, somebody who is capable of possessing right. a house like that in the first place would think would in a million years be realistic. So another theory that someone had on here was, um, that the watcher was, um, part of a, he came from a family, the Davies family who, uh, owned the house two families prior to the Woodses. I think, um, I don't actually know why they, called this family out but this person went so far as to make like a google doc of a family tree of this family and they they said that um based on the time frame the watcher mentioned they had a descendant who was the right age who could who could have been it i don't know i I, i'm not i i didn't go down that rabbit hole um yeah rabbit rabbit hole is the right word uh you look at this stuff on reddit and it is just I mean, it's, it's made for Reddit and it's so open-ended that it's just like, I mean, you could spend 20 minutes looking at something that is just like, right. what, what am I looking at? This, you, this is, this should. person just, this, they live for this type of stuff on Reddit 
a lot of Reddit is like that. But a lot of the other things we talk about, they're so very specific that if you want to look at the Reddit thing, it's like, oh, everybody's kind of engaged and invested and we're all kind of on the same page. And this guy might be saying something weird or this one might be kind of way off missing the mark. But it's all kind of funneled into this general consensus. And this is just like... It just every which way, yeah, every and none of it really, uh, none of it really is very grounded. Any of the stuff that I saw, except for what you just mentioned, which I somehow overlooked. Um, just having What's somebody that? who is the same age who has clearly spent time in the house. I mean, that's a start, right? I don't know if they can go through and look at like, I don't know how invasive you can get with an investigation with such little like physical evidence of uh, ill intent. Right. I probably sound like a fool trying to talk like a lawyer. Uh, I understand that, <laughs> no. guys, but um, that's, no. that's what I it's said. So, We're uh, fools. It's all good. But it's just like, who... Here, stop me there for a second. Um, how am I trying to phrase this here? Uh, I lost my fucking train of thought. What was I fucking talking about? I was talking about... Uh, uh, um. Well, you were talking about this this particular person who would have been the right age who would have lived in the house. Oh, I um, I don't know if you can really go through and be like, this person was their nanny from nineteen fifty seven to nineteen sixty three. I want to talk to. Where's the son in that? I want to talk to that person. Right. So. Putting right. like, uh, you know, uh, honing in on a demographic like that, that I think to me, and again, I just said it, but I'll say it again. I have zero legal training. I don't watch legal <laughs> shows. I don't know anything about any of this type of stuff, but it seems like you would need more than a handful of creepy letters to do like a manhunt for any potential, you know, you would need right. uh, some, something would have to happen to the house, right? There would have to be yeah, somebody would yeah, have to some, see somebody some, trying to go in or right because what some it, yeah that's that's how that works right I mean I'm not I think no yeah. expert I mean, that's common it would, sense it would take it would take more <clears throat> I think for sure but this is I it's so funny because this is where like if the evidence were different if they weren't just a handful of physical letters that were mailed anonymously like if there was like some sort of email or like YouTube video or like a tweet or something like the people on the internet would be all over this. People solve shit like this on the internet all day long mm-hmm. on Reddit or on whatever, on these like sleuth forums. But it's just like, it was an old fashioned way mailing letters, which again points to probably a, a certain demographic, at least age wise of people. It's and smart like, too. And it's Stick smart. to the classics. It's super smart. You don't yeah, got to reinvent like, the wheel here. You don't got to reinvent the no. letter either. No, there you go. That's your, that is the I strange mean, dispatch endorsement. If you're going to stalk someone, just write a letter. Don't yeah. just stay off the internet. How just crazy is that? You can fucking write a letter and say whatever you want. And you're just like, what are you going to do? You didn't see me yeah. dropping the letter off. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. Yeah. Ain't me. Uh, God. Yeah. It's such a weird, I mean, they never even like, I don't even think they ever got as far as like a handwriting analysis and never even had a suspect who was, who they had enough on to like make them write, you know, uh, write the address out. So strange. Something that I love, one of my favorite, or my favorite because it's creepy as fuck details about the story that no one ever really in none of the articles or Reddit threads, like ever really delves into. And it's probably because like, it's a short dive is when he, he mentions twice 
did you find what's in the walls yet? Right, right. What does that mean? That that is weird. And I wish I knew what was in the walls and I assume they found nothing, but yeah, like that, I don't know that, that, like I said, the earlier letters weirdly felt, even though that the, they were not as um, erratic seeming, they weirdly felt more terrifying to me because it was really like sinister and unknown and weird shit that this guy's bringing up. And it really just, it conjured this image in my mind of like, Oh, this house eats babies. Yeah. Or he was involved in something when he was younger and something was put in the right. walls. I don't know. I mean, yeah. you're, uh, your guess is as good as mine, but there, the, the, the vibe of the letters is, I think it's just so much stronger and scarier in the first ones. Cause there's a clear, you know, point where the person kind of starts to spiral. They seem desperate and uh, you know, they're mad. Obviously, that's this person's own, you know, on like their psychosis that they're going through or whatever. But there is the, the, I think the first two letters are they're really, you know, they're weird. They're so vague, yet like kind of specific about really certain things. And just like, you know, I would almost be relieved when I started to get the, the last couple letters where it's just like, oh, it's just a crazy person. Yeah. Uh, Oh, this is, yeah. This 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 is almost nothing to worry about. I thought right. about that, uh, you know, when I was looking into all this and making the notes and stuff. And I was like, at that point, would I just be like, nah, I'm going to write it out. Like, this is just a crazy, harmless I, person. I know, this that- is not a person who has it together enough. They're showing me their weakness in the letters they're sending me. The only thing I could possibly ever know right. about them, they're exposing weakness in that. So I think I'm good. I don't know what it's like to have been that person uh, sitting in a yeah, folding chair in the dark and- with a knife in my hand. So. Yeah, it's very easy for me to say, but, um, I don't know. That's, that's my take on it. Yeah. It's, I I don't know either. I would, I fear that there will be no more progress made in this case, but maybe there will be, if, if Netflix is making a narrative show about it, which they are, maybe some people will dig deeper and, or maybe someone will come forward or like someone, maybe there'll be a deathbed confession in our lifetime. Who knows? But right. uh, I would think that yeah. if they're going to try to weave some type of narrative, that's not something that they're uh, wholly fabricating the writers of that show. Obviously there's, they're going to hit a point where they're just, they, you know, they're responsible for, you know, creating right. the, the end of the story. Maybe that will cause some type of, uh, investigation that's not led by like law enforcement to really look into yeah, okay yeah. are there who were the housekeepers like it was definitely and that's i mean i wanted to ask you i think it was definitely either a friend of a friend somebody that wasn't as well to do or privileged that got to spend time in the house for whatever reason that just kind of became infatuated with this life that was better than their own life and coupled with whatever type of like mental illness or breaking point or whatever schizophrenia this person has going on. Those two things coupled are, this is the end result of that, but it was definitely a kid. It wasn't the guy next door. I don't think it was Michael Langford. I don't think because he's just another rich guy or I hate to keep using that. Like it's a derogatory term, but he was just another person who who had the same exact privilege. I mean, maybe one person made more than the next person, but on that block, everybody's the same. There's no class, uh, you know, uh, not not a warfare, huge but yeah, there's no class to yeah. class warfare. <laughs> there's not a real classified <laughs> like house to house on a street like uh right 
you know, six, five, seven yeah. Boulevard is on. So yeah, that's I where I would start. Right, if I, I was going to be like, it, who, who, who can we look at? Like it's Netflix is going to pay me this much money to follow a few leads. Yeah. Like who were all the housekeepers between like 1940 and 1970. And right. that's a huge task, but it's a huge task for a cop who has other, you know, I hate to say it better things to do more important right. things to do. And, you know, like helping sure. people and stuff. Um, like pulling over Bruce Springsteen or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but on the other hand, if you're just kind of like, well, I, I either I'm going to have to make something up or I'm going to have to hire some, like, I think it would be a lot cooler to kind of dig into it. And I mean, who knows? Netflix could, they could break that story. They could uncover the truth. Unmask the watcher. I I wonder if the watcher is is going to listen to this. Did you ever think of that? Fuck that really narrows it down. Uh, That really narrows it down. Why did I say anything? Why did I say anything? <laughs> we could have had him. Lives in, um, I, I'll, I'll check the, the list of patrons to see who lives in New Jersey. I'll, I'll get on it. I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to, you got to watch who, who becomes a subscriber once this is published. Right. Once the right. thumbnail goes up on the Patreon. Right. We'll yeah, see. We'll get, and we'll, that'll be the group. We'll, Maybe it's me and you that yeah. figure this out. I mean, God, Maybe. you imagine? It could be. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. We quit our jobs and uh, we go on a book tour. Oh, we get someone to ghostwrite a book for us. We go on a book tour. Uh, yeah, that's how that would go. Permanent undisclosed uh, locations, I think, is yes, where our lives yes, would lead us. Forever. So yeah, that's, that's um, that it, is, man. That's, that's the story. It's, that's the watcher, yeah. It's cool because it has no uh it has no resolve. It just it could be anything. You pretty much know what it is. You do, but you don't but really know. Because it, it, there, there's just something to be said about the fact that it derailed this family's entire life. Like they felt, and you know, they read the letters, they handled the letters, they felt what the what the error around the neighborhood was, and, and it derailed their entire lives. So it, 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 like I don't, they, they felt it was that serious, which is crazy and unfortunate for them. But yeah. Well, we hope that they've been able to move on and uh, live not in fear, um, live yeah, not in a, uh, with a, a knife at arm's length, because that's no way to live. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, good luck to the Broadduses and good luck to the Watcher. Maybe they've maybe the Watcher's gotten help and maybe they're maybe they're fine. Maybe they'll come out and they'll. They'll apologize. Who knows? Also, but, good luck to the current and future inhabitants of 657 yes. Boulevard. Yeah, keep us updated about the young blood because we're very interested in that. And anything that you find in the walls, that's unusual. But all right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, thanks to everybody who's a member of the Patreon and uh, anybody who is pirating this from somewhere. That would be cool if that was <laughs> happening. Uh, we're fine with it. Uh, and thanks, Ian, for hopping on from your undisclosed location. And hopefully we will be talking to you all again soon. We got another one on deck that will come out once the new issue of the zine is coming out, which is going to be very soon. And new merch is coming soon as well. So stick around. Uh, it's slow goings in 2021 when it comes to strange days, but it's gonna we're going to pick up the pace. And by we, I mean I. It's totally me. But I'm going to pick up the pace uh, as soon as the weather starts to get warm and um, I'm not standing outside for 12 hours a day in the snow and the mud and, and everything else. But yeah, thanks, dude. Uh, 
have a great night, everybody. Stay safe. Stay strange. <laughs>